I'll be reading Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. So hear now God's word, for he does indeed speak to us through it. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word, and we do pray for this time um, that uh, the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you, that our hearts would be set upon the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Would we hear your voice even through the words of this weak and sinful preacher? We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Beloved, our God, in his infinite wisdom, has chosen to speak to us through his word, and his word is delivered to us in many different forms. Of course, we have the great narrative stories in Scripture, uh, stories in the Old Testament, Genesis, the entire Pentateuch, Samuel, Kings. Um, Even in the New Testament, we have the gospel messages and the book of Acts. Um, We have some beautiful poetry Uh, particularly in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, and the Song of Songs. We have prophetic writings um, from the minor prophets and the major prophets. We even have apocalyptic literature, such as Revelation, that speaks in odd forms that are hard for us to understand. And we have letters, letters written by individuals to churches or other individuals. And The book of Ephesians, as we've looked at over this past year, is one of those letters. And uh, when we read the letters of Scripture, uh, we talked about this when we we started. Sometimes the greeting and then the conclusion seem to be these parts that we just kind of fly over. And when we're looking at the meat, we focus on the meat in between. the it, these the greetings in in the letters, but the whole letter is God's word. The whole uh, part of it is um, for our edification and building up, and so it's important for us to look at this conclusion, even though it may be something that we don't typically focus in. But this particular conclusion is key for us to understand because. Um, As he's been talking about throughout the entire book, we see this theme of being in Christ. And he wraps up this grand and glorious letter by telling us that in Christ Jesus, that God's people, we respond to the love of God that has been extended to us in Jesus Christ with an undying and incorruptible love. We must respond with an undying and incorruptible love. So it's a very short passage, but we'll break it into two halves. We'll see a faithful messenger in Tychicus, and we will see a faithful farewell. So he begins by talking about this gentleman, Tychicus. He says, so that you may know how I am, how I am and how, what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that he may, you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Now, students, uh, 
if you've ever sent a letter in the mail, you probably haven't thought too much about how it would get to its particular destination. I mean, I think sending postage these days has probably fallen largely out of favor, in favor of digital communication. But if you've ever done it, whether you've just sent a letter to a family member or a friend, you know, you typically write out the letter, you put it in an envelope, you address the envelope, you put your stamp on there, maybe your return address, you seal it up, and you put it in the post box, the mailbox, and you don't even think about it. You assume that it's going to get to your intended destination without much thought. And that's because, for all the talk about our postal service, we have a reliable postal service that is available to every one of our citizens. But in Paul's day, that wasn't the case. Uh, in Paul's day, there was a postal service, but was reserved for the exclusive use of of Roman officials. And if you had some kind of package or um, letter that you wanted to have delivered, you would have to have a trusted courier to carry that to its destination. And Paul has chosen this man, Tychicus. Now, um, Tychicus may not be a name that you know very well, but actually in the pages of Scripture, he is mentioned four times. Um, he uh, is here mentioned as a beloved brother. He is a close companion of the Apostle Paul. And Paul calls him a faithful minister, or other translations might say a faithful servant. The word that Paul uses there is the word diakonos, which is the word from which we get our word deacon, which really just means minister or servant, um, helper, is another translation says. But he is, he is a close companion, someone who is helping the Apostle Paul and seems to be trustworthy. He is faithful. He's a minister in the Lord. And um, uh, 2 Timothy uh, is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the young pastor Timothy. And in that letter, Paul says, Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus, which is probably referring to this delivery of this very letter to the Ephesians. In Acts chapter 20, uh, Luke says that uh, he, he lists Tychicus as an Asian, which is not um, Asian as we would think about it today, but Asia was a province of the Roman Empire that was on the western side of modern-day Turkey. And the Asian province had cities like Ephesus and Colossae. So the, the letter to the Colossian church was to Colossae. And um, we don't know if Tychicus was from Ephesus, but he is listed in Acts chapter 20 alongside a, a, another gentleman by the name of Trophimus, uh, who is referred to as being an Ephesian. So it's possible that Tychicus was from Ephesus. Regardless, we know that he is from Asia, which is Ephesus is part of Asia. And um, so he's, he's, he's sent to deliver this message. And if we were to look at the, the tail end of, or the, the conclusion of the book of Colossians, and we would compare it to the conclusion of the book of Ephesians, we would see almost verbatim this, this message about Tychicus. With one, um, one notable exception, in Colossians, Paul also says something about um, he's sending Tychicus along with uh, Onesimus, he says. 
Now, if we've read the book of Philemon, we know the name Onesimus to be a, a slave who had run away and had come to meet Paul in prison, and he had come to faith, and now Paul was sending him back to his master Philemon. And so if we look at Ephesians and we look at Colossians, we see that Tychicus is this messenger, this beloved uh, and faithful minister who's probably not just carrying the letter to the Ephesian church, but the letter to the Colossian church, and probably also the letter to Philemon. So three of the inspired letters of our um, our scriptures. Um, and notice that he doesn't just, he's not just a courier where he's just going to drop it off at the doorstep and, and ring the doorbell, but Paul says, he says, I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So there's a, he's bringing the letter, but he's also bringing something beyond the letter. He's bringing an update on Paul's condition, and he's bringing encouragement. Because if you remember what we've been saying, that Paul is probably writing this letter to the Ephesian church and probably the letter to the Colossian church from a Roman prison, and now he's sending Tychicus to deliver the letter and this encouragement. Um, So I hope you can see the pastoral concern and the love that the Apostle Paul had for the Ephesian church. I mean, it's one thing for him to write this grand and glorious letter, but he also has this affection for them. He knows that uh, they have affection for him. And we've, we've said that this letter was probably written many years, perhaps seven years after he had actually ministered in Ephesus, and yet um, they still ache for this man who planted the church there. Uh, He's still dear in their hearts. And while he is now gone, his heart had not left the people that he ministered to. Um, And, beloved, that reminds us that the gospel community, what, what the Holy Spirit does in the church of God, he develops a tight and lasting bonds of affection. That's what we've, we've seen, this, this pursuing the unity of, that, that comes in Christ Jesus. That unity is not just this uh, emotionless unity. There's true love and affection that is developed by the work of the Spirit um, as he, he works in us. But I guess we could ask, well, why didn't Paul just put that update in his letter? Like, why, why would he... Put in this part of the Word of God that, oh, well, Tychicus will tell you everything else. I mean, he's written plenty. And I don't think there's, we have a conclusive reason why he didn't do this, but I can give a few suggestions why that might be the case. The first is um, there's something to be said for face to face communication that is more personal and affectionate. Uh, Tychicus was able to come and speak with these brothers and sisters and to share his heart and to share with tears and joy and anguish of the things that Paul was experiencing, the, the, the good work of the gospel that was happening even in the midst of uh, the prison that he was in. And so there was something to be said for that. They were able to ask him questions and poke and prod. They were able to pray together for their brother Paul. 
Um, so there's that. Um, perhaps Paul, knowing that this was a beloved brother, desired this church to develop a relationship with Tychicus. And he knew that that would happen through the, their mutual love for the Apostle Paul and their mutual love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he desired to have that be uh, done through that, that sharing of information. But I mean, perhaps most strikingly is that Paul recognized that not every bit of detail of his life was worthy of the Word of God, the living and enduring Word of God. There were things that were happening to him that were not needful, not eternal in their needfulness for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and instructing. But what we have been given truly is, is withstood thousands of years and will stand the test of eternity of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, but notice the immense task that was placed on Tychicus's shoulders. Um, he was entrusted to travel the distance from Rome to Ephesus and to encourage the hearts of the church of Ephesus with this message. Um, but, but he was also entrusted with the very word of God to, to carry that safely to its destination. Um, he was, he was, it was needful for him to be trustworthy and dependable, to be pastoral and loving and truthful. And Paul trusted him to carry out that mission because he was a beloved brother and faithful minister. And beloved, our God calls us to that same level of dependability. That, that trustworthiness and dependability is wrought by the work of the Holy Spirit as he develops in us the bonds of love. Um, we're to have that same love and concern for one another. Paul had said in his letter that we are to um, speak the truth in love. So we need to have the courage to speak the truth, but to do it in love. Um, he told us to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only that which is useful for building one another up. And that is spirit-filled language that the Spirit cultivates in the midst of our hearts. He calls us to be beloved brothers and sisters and faithful ministers in the Lord. And if I'm going to be honest, that is one of the things that encourages me, has encouraged me the most over the past year at Zion Presbyterian Church. Because in our short history, I have seen the work of the Spirit in the people of Zion in a way that is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, our union with Christ Jesus um, draws us close to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it also draws us close to one another. It develops those bonds of brotherly affection and care and concern for one another. And it happens as we live life together, as we encourage one another, as we serve together. And I have seen the fruit of that very thing. And I hope you have seen that fruit as well. We have served together. We have rejoiced together. And even over our short period of time, there have been times when we have grieved together. And 
I've heard it out of your lips. We are a family. We are a family of brothers and sisters. And that can only happen by the work of the Spirit of Christ. He has knit us together. He is knitting us together. He is at work in the midst of this body. And that's praiseworthy and glorious. So Paul shifts from this faithful messenger to this faithful farewell or blessing. And he, um, it's, it's a really compact two sentences that he concludes it with. And we'll unpack it just a bit. But there's really two blessings in there. One for peace and one for grace. He starts by saying, Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a blessing for peace. And the, the, these two passages really kind of sum up everything that he's been saying throughout this whole book of Ephesians. And peace, uh, hopefully you've caught it. Uh, the, the importance of peace in the gospel. He had just said earlier in chapter 6 when we were going through the, go- the armor of God, he talked about it's called the gospel, the gospel of peace. Um, in chapter 2, he said, Christ Jesus is our peace, who had, he is talking about, had unified Jew and Gentile in him. Uh, that, that peace was in him. In a, another letter in Romans, um, Paul had said, that uh, because of Christ Jesus, we have peace with God. And so Christ is our peace ultimately with God, but also being united to him, we have peace with one another. And so that peace is there. It's that gospel of peace. And he says, peace be to the brothers. Peace be to the brothers. Um, Paul have made, made big uh place a big emphasis on the importance of being one family in Christ Jesus. We have one Father. We are united together in Him. We were adopted in Christ Jesus, predestined to be adopted. We who were far off have been brought near by the love of Christ. And we've been given a glorious inheritance, which hints at our family relationship. And we are blessed with peace in the context of being part of the family of God by His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we, are, we have that peace as brothers and sisters. And then he says, and love with faith. And love with faith. And faith is such an important theme throughout the book of Ephesians. He says that we are is by faith that we are united to Christ, that we experience this, these blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. It is by faith that we are united to one another in Christ. We are saved by grace through faith, he had said. We approach the throne of grace through faith. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. We are united by the one faith, that is in Christ Jesus. We are seeking to attain to the unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God. And, as we saw in the armor of God, that faith acts as a protective shield as we take up the shield of faith to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And in fact, if we were to go back to Ephesians chapter 1, 
which as a side note, I'd encourage you, having concluded this whole story, this whole study, I'd encourage you to go back and read through the entire letter and see what you remember. But if we went back to chapter one, one of the very first things Paul says is that he praises God because of the faith when he rejoiced when he heard of their faith. Beloved, we ought to rejoice. If we have faith in Christ Jesus, that is not normal. That is, that is a gift of God. That is evidence. He's rejoicing because he knows that for us to have faith, God must pursue us. God must give his spirit to open our eyes to see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, rejoice because God has been at work in your heart. If you see the work of faith in your brother or sister, rejoice because God is at work in this place. And that is remarkable. That is praiseworthy. But throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul assumes that these people are saints in Christ Jesus. They are holy ones. They've been set apart through their faith. And he says, add to your faith love. Love must be the natural outworking of our faith in Christ Jesus. It's the natural and necessary outworking. And remember what he said. He said, as beloved children, beloved children grow in the love of the Father. As beloved children, grow in your love for your brothers and sisters. And that love is a brotherly affection, but it's a love that works itself out in every aspect of our lives. Remember the, the whole list of put off and put on. Do not steal. You know, speak the truth. Um, you know, all these different things. These were aspects of our brotherly affection in the home, you know, with our parents, uh, in the workplace, every aspect of our lives, we evidence that love. But but Scripture says that God is love, and he has extended that love to us. And if we are adopted into his family, we will resemble that love. We will we'll be marked by that love. It will be a community of love. We'll be speaking that love. It will be that love that binds us together. And true faith in a God who is love produces love. Produces love. So there's that, uh, and, and, and he says that that peace, that love, and that faith are from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which again reminds us of our union with Christ. Because just as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, our, um, this work of love and peace and faith come through our union with Christ. As he said in Chapter 4, he said, there was one family, there was one Father, there was one Lord, there was one Spirit, there was one faith. It is one in Christ Jesus. We have that peace and that unity in Christ. So he's got the blessing of peace, but he's also got the blessing of grace. And this is how he ends. And how fitting of an ending to this glorious book. Because if that's a, the message of Ephesians... I don't, if, if that isn't the message, I don't know what is. This is the message of grace throughout the book of Ephesians. That grace that we have been given 
in Christ Jesus. He, is, he began by saying, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in him, even before he uh, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And he did this so that he would lavish his grace upon us to the praise of his glorious grace. It was a lavishing of grace to praise his grace. And we were saved by grace through faith. And, he's, and Paul says that he did this so that the riches of his grace would be made manifest to all creation, to all creation and on display. But he didn't even stop there, did he? He said, he said that this mystery of the grace, that this message of grace that he was given, even the fact that he had that message was grace. He said, look at the, the manifestation of God's grace to me, that I can declare the unsearchable riches of Christ, and I can extend that grace to you. He said, um, and, and it's a, a grace to be able to impart that grace. And we saw in Ephesians chapter 4 how um, each one of us has received grace according to the measuring of grace. Christ's gift, and that we serve one another. We impart that grace as we have received that grace. And we are to not let any corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only what is useful for building one, other, one another up. Why? So that it may give grace to those who hear. That grace that we've received, we now become the agents of that grace. And that is a gift that gift of being able to extend that grace. And now he's blessing that grace, or blessing the church with that grace. He says, grace be to you. Um, but there's a bit of a warning, a veiled warning. It's, it's an odd way to end. He doesn't say grace be with all. He qualifies it. He says, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Uh, that last, the very last word, incorruptible, is translated lots of different ways. It's somewhat confusing. Um, different translations will see it as uh, incorruptible or an undying love or an eternal love. Uh, they're similar, and they're certainly related. Um, if a love is to endure and be eternal. It must not corrupt. It must be pure. It must be true. It must be sincere. Um, and that love is the love that has been given to us. But he's saying grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with that love incorruptible. And he's saying we must love him back with that love that has been extended to us. And if we think to that passage that we just read from Revelation chapter 2, that really does cause us to hear a bit of a warning. Because remember what he said. This is the Lord Jesus Christ talking to the church in Ephesus years later. He says, I know your works. 
your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and have found themselves false. I know you are enduring patiently, bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. That sounds like a solid church. I know your works, your patient endurance, you're enduring patiently, you're bearing up, and you've not grown weary. What more could we ask for? But then he turns to them and he says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Beloved, may that never be said of Zion Presbyterian Church. It is important for us to make our plans and to do them. It is important for us to endure the struggles uh, that we do back to back as soldiers enduring the spiritual warfare that we can expect. It is important for us to test everything and to cling to what is good and to abhor that which is evil. Those are necessary things which we are called to in Scripture. But if we do not have a pure and an undefiled love for the Lord Jesus Christ, we have nothing. We have nothing. God so loved the world that he sent his only son and he has blessed us in his beloved son with every spiritual blessing and he has lavished his love upon us. We must respond. We must respond. Our, uh, we must love our Heavenly Father through the love of His beloved Son by the power of His Spirit of love. And that love must drive everything that we do. It must be the foundation and the element uh, that, that, that drives every aspect of our ministry, whether individual or as a church body. And a pure and undefiled love of God will result in a strong love that is pure for one another. In uh, 1 John, John wrote this. He says, If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. Because anyone who cannot love his brother who he has seen cannot love his father who he has not seen. A true love will result in a horizontal love for our brothers and sisters. And this is not a love that we can create or fabricate. This is a love that has been lavished on us. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation, a sacrifice for our sins. Our God took the initiative to us. He has loved you with this immense and eternal love. But we're called to remain in it, to abide in it, to relish in it, to live in it, to allow it to change us from the inside out, to speak it. As one commentator said this, he says, When that love of God is truly received, it is met with a love that cannot be corrupted, a love that will never die, 
a love that will last for all eternity. Beloved, that you've been loved with that love. Do you receive it? Are you living in it? We must. For apart from that, we have nothing. Beloved, I want to read that passage in Acts chapter 20. It's a longer passage, but I think it's one of the most tender moments in all of Scripture because it shows the tenderness of the work of the Spirit on the community of faith. Uh, particularly the part where the elders weep for each other, knowing that they're, they're never going to see Paul ever again. Um, and eventually Paul sailed away, and he never saw them again. He wrote this letter to them with love and affection, and I'm sure tears as well. And But his heart never left them. And beloved, we've been in this letter for the past 11 months. And our God has spoken to us some immense promises. We have heard of the grace and the hope and the love and the blessing that are ours in Jesus Christ. And even as he has been speaking to us, he has been at work, not just informing us, but uniting us in that faith, uniting us in that love The letter begins, grace and peace to you from God our Father. The letter ends with peace and grace with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace leads to peace, and our peace finds its rest in grace. And beloved, our God has truly, truly lavished this grace and this love and this peace on you and on me as an act of his love for us, and he has done this in his beloved son, Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Let's pray together.